0: Hey guys, welcome to this uh, special late night edition of the Draft Down 2021 podcast. Uh, it has been, I think, about 10 minutes, 15 minutes since the end of the first round. Yep. Uh, we have both been glued to our televisions and, uh, man, I'm I reminded every year why I love the draft. This is the best time of the year. It's so exciting watching the draft.
1: Look, I'll be honest, I really wish I could say the same. Okay, you know what? I love the draft, but it just – as a Cowboys fan –
0: Well, okay, we'll get to it that. It was not
1: great. <laughs> let's
0: get back to that because I I think my opinion has definitely changed in the hour and a half since the pick. I definitely think I'm better on it, but let's – I think let's start off at three, looking going through okay. the first round. Let's start at the three. Three was the big deciding decision-maker – I think we both caught on to the fact of the, the Mac Jones smoke screen and they ultimately picked Trey Lance, the quarterback out of North Dakota state. I think this is a really smart pick. I picked him in both my mock draft and I would have picked him in our uh, combined mock draft for the sports podcast. Tell me what kind of a player uh, San Francisco is getting, because I think he's just a really talented prospect, especially if they want to keep, uh, if they want to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for a year.
1: Yeah, he is. Um, you I guess just the general context of it. He was a redshirt freshman, and he led North Dakota State to a national championship in his first year. He he scored 40 touchdowns and didn't turn the ball over whatsoever. So that alone has to kind of give you the sense that, okay, this guy uh, scored a lot of touchdowns didn't turn the ball over, was generally incredibly accurate as a, or it was at least accurate enough as a passer to keep the ball moving. And he was doing a lot of things that at least we considered to be like pro ready and very, in a sense, very similar to the stuff that Kyle Shanahan runs with a lot of uh, heavier personnel, like 21 or 12 or 22 personnel. So looking at him, it was, I would not have, I would have, I guess, originally thought, I think I originally thought whenever Lance or whenever San Francisco moved up to that third pick that they were going with Lance the entire time, just because mentally everything checked out. Um, Traits-wise, incredible, like, very good athletic ability, good size, um, obviously good speed, good play strength. His arm strength is incredible. Release is fantastic, incredibly quick, gets the ball out. Um he i think could work the pocket a little bit better but he only once again he only once he's in a college so those are the you know very small things that he has to work on once he gets to the next level obviously the speed of the game is going to be different as it is for every quarterback that moves from college to uh college to the nfl especially for him since he was in the fcs program but i think here you're working with someone who just is so whose traits are really good mentally is really good character wise anybody who talked with him interviewed him they all raved about how he was just such a good person really smart on the whiteboard it just felt like this was going to be a shanahan pick when it was all said and done i thought that the mac jones thing really didn't make any sense because kyle shanahan had made it clear not too long ago that uh having a mobile quarterback is kind of what this day and age of quarterback play requires and also it gives your offense a different element. Now if you look at like Jimmy Garoppolo for example, he's mo- like decently mobile within the pocket, but he's not going to he's not going to stretch the offense or challenge the defense with read options and stuff like that. So that's a different element that you're working with now with uh Lance. So yeah, I was just really happy that it wasn't Mack.
0: Do you think of the three, so obviously they weren't able to get Wilson or Lawrence, even if they liked him better. Do you think of the three remaining quarterbacks, he was the best fit for San Francisco?
1: I don't know necessarily about best fit. I think right now the better prospect would have still been Justin Fields. I also think... His Justin Fields' accuracy is a lot more translatable to the next level because Shanahan offenses require a lot of middle of the field passes, and those, at least in general, the windows over the middle of the field are a lot tighter. Analytically, Fields has pretty much passed any test about ball placement. So, naturally, I would think Fields is a better quarterback, but I guess if you want someone who is, uh, at least has some familiarity as far as play design goes i think i could understand why they went that direction
0: yeah and it's interesting to see i think i honestly think that lance is probably the quarterback they would have preferred even if like obviously they picked him over fields and jones but outside of Lawrence, I think Lance is probably the best fit for that team and or like not best fit but best like pick idea for that team. And yeah, it's it's good to see it's good to see them not fall in love with Mac Jones as much as they would have because he's look, I love Mac Jones, but he's not a top three pick.
1: Yeah, he's not. You know, even by the same token, I don't really think Lance is a top three pick, but I think they had enough of a contingency plan to make it work. Because the yeah. of of Lance picks up the playbook really quickly within like this summer because I think we're expecting a semi-regular off season. It's going to be a different situation.
0: <laughs> and the good news if you're Garoppolo is you have some time to raise your value to prove <coughs> you're a good quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. So obviously Lance uh, goes three, Mac Jones falls all the way to 15 where he's taken by the Patriots. Yep. And if you're Mac Jones, are you not in the best case scenario for you? Like, you're on a good Patriots team with not only a really good defense supporting you, but in a system that I feel like is going to at least hide some of your flaws. I think, you know, of the teams that could have taken him post San Francisco, I think the Patriots are a really good fit for what he is. and
1: I think it works in the sense that Mac Jones definitely isn't as mobile as Fields or Lance. <coughs> Sorry, Jones is not as mobile as Phil or I don't know if I said that wrong. But my issue is his receivers are going to be worse. His offensive line is likely going to be better. Uh, they are
0: one of the best offensive lines.
1: Right, exactly. But, uh, at least they were one of the best run-blocking offensive lines. Uh, that we know for sure. Like, in general, they had a good offensive line, but by far they had the best run-blocking offensive yeah. line. But uh, in terms of – it's stylistically a little bit different, right? Because – uh, Steve Sarkisian's offense is a lot more reminiscent of what Kyle Shanahan uh, runs, not so much what uh, New England runs. New England does is very versatile with their offensive approach. They can either attack you deep or they can attack you short, just depending on how far your zone depth is. Uh, but I think now more than anything, you have to be so – Smart enough to operate that offense, and I think now we will truly see just how much football intelligence Mac Jones has as a quarterback, just how accurate of a quarterback he is. Because he's not playing with Waddle and Smith. Waddle and Smith went six and twelve tonight. Nelson Aguilar was six like, and ten. Six and ten, right? Because the Cowboys trade. Uh, so. Aguilar was a rehash first round pick. Uh, Kendrick Bourne, I think, was an undrafted free agent, you know, like a six round pick. So, like, you're definitely working with talent, even though they have more experience. Is probably not as talented. So, now we're really going to see if the hype that Mac Jones had, I'm not necessarily saying he was overrated or underrated but just the hype that he had truly comes to fruition because I didn't always thought his, the people who praised him on his ball placement and an accuracy were right to do that. I don't think the people who are necessarily, and I'm, this is after going through watching a Steve Sarkeesian coaching clinic thought his football intelligence always matched what people talked about.
0: Yeah. Um, the one thing I will say though, about especially once he fell past, uh, some of those top 10 teams and really when you're getting in that Washington football team, Las Vegas Raiders, those kinds of teams, I think that new England, a I think new England gives him the best chance to start early, not necessarily day one, but probably gives him a chance to, if he is quality to play his first year. And then also I trust Belichick, at least to put him in the best situation possible. Now, if he delivers or not will depend on him. But I think Mac Jones himself will be compared to any quarterback since really Garoppolo, I think is put in a situation where the Patriots understand who's in charge and who's the guy. And I think that's actually kind of important for them. <coughs> Honestly, I think, you know, whether or not it's, even if they had kept traded for Garoppolo, I think it, you still would have had issues with new England in terms of, What's their future? I think getting their future guy is important, even if he's
1: my only issue. Is the way at least it's constructed, the roster is constructed right now. They're still kind of relying on Cam Newton's ability to run the ball in the end zone. I don't know what happens if Mac Jones starts playing because they don't really, uh they don't really have a contingency plan in the red zone. Like maybe Hunter Henry's your best red zone threat, but I don't think he had more than like seven touchdowns in the season.
0: So. I think having two tight ends like they have is going to be. An- Important to that team. We'll see. We'll see if it's going forward. But again, I think if you're Mac Jones okay. and you're in the... Hunter Henry range, had
1: eight touchdowns in 2016. What do he do? You
0: mean 2020? No, 2016. Hunter Henry. Oh. Well, okay. Weird. Uh Yeah, I mean, I mean, compared to where else he could have gone after falling that far, it's probably good he stayed with the team. And it's good, you know, Kyle who's a Patriots fan. I was talking to him, and, you know, it's a good pick. He's a guy who probably – that's where he should have gone, and that's good for him.
1: I think realistically it made sense because if there was a cornerback that fell, then I could see the Patriots take – both Horn and Sertan went 8-9, and and then I don't really know how people felt about Farley. So –
0: Yeah, and the other situation is, you know, I think – the one player, the couple of players who I thought the Patriots, you talk about Horn and Sertan, uh, the Farley and Rousseau situations, I think, played themselves out late in the first round. Uh, the one player I thought could have gone there was uh, Wosu Karamoa, and I don't know what happened to him in the first I round. I don't know either, because you never heard anything
1: bad about him throughout the cycle. It was he's athletic. He yeah. understands Play that overhang safety and linebacker role. Maybe you have some questions with his ability to take on blocks and run fits, but he's definitely a very versatile player. And somehow, Michael Parsons goes before him. So,
0: but we'll talk about him okay. when we talk about our best day two prospects and where we think they right. should go. But I think if you're talking about the Patriots, solid pick, and I think. This has been a very unlike New England offseason, but I think, especially if you're trying to set yourself up for that post Brady and probably post Belichick era too, I think it's the best possible scenario. Uh, the other quarterback taken right before Mac Jones at pick number eleven was Justin Fields, who. Did oh, fall. I love this pick. This was. Such I love the pick. I love the pick, and I so love. The, I love the fact. For, for, let's take it two ways. I love the fact that the Giants traded down. A, because they've never done it, and B, because I think they're a team that needs a bunch of small things rather than one big thing. Um, Two, I love the fact that Chicago is being aggressive. I think that's something they need to do more often. Uh, (coughs) And three, of the quarterbacks who have fallen, aside from Lawrence and Wilson, Justin Fields to the Bears makes too much sense. Yes, He could come in day one and – He's probably not going to lead that team to a division title, especially with what Green Bay's building. But he could lead that team into a playoff win. He's look—it's like, one of
1: those situations, right? Matt, Matt Nagy has never had a losing season. He's at the very worst. gone eight and 8 Justin Fields could essentially bring you to that spot. But if he—if Nagy gets to that spot again, he's done. So then you bring in another guy. The thing is, defend, at least offensively, the line like really mad but at least their skill positions are solid so at least he has people to throw to now he now feels biggest issue was that he would just stand in the pocket for days just trying to go through his uh just trying to finish or at least trying to let his receivers finish their option routes, so that way he can throw it to him but objectively he's a good quarterback so as long as the defense kind to pull their share of you know pull uh you know trying to make things work out even though they lost kyle fuller i think you have a good enough team to at least win some games in an nfc north that depending on what happens with aaron Rodgers' future Mm -hmm. interesting
0: and best of all i think they're setting themselves up to post-Rogers be the team in that division. Like, right. like, obviously, Fields. Because now you
1: start a new timeline with Fields, right?
0: Yeah, that's and that's the best thing. Like, the Bears could have been on the, the downswing, but now they're on the where-are-they-go scenario from here. And, look, Fields may not hit. I think there are a lot of concerns with that, which is why he fell to 11. Uh, but, but I But at think, least
1: if he not here with this coaching staff, he could potentially hit with another one.
0: And, and best of all, I think it's better than going with Andy Dalton. Yes. Because. It's truly so much, no-man's
1: name with Dalton.
0: Well, it's, it's like, I, I like Dalton and maybe he gets you to eight wins. Like, but he's not going to get you any more. And at least Fields has the potential to get you a good team going forward. Uh, so overall, I think all the teams did really well with their quarterback selections. Uh, I'm. Really excited to see where we go forward with our day two quarterbacks, whether that's Mills, whether that's Trask, whether that's Mond. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how those guys get into it. But Let's hit the elephant in the room before we go uh, on to anything else, and that is the NFC East. So we had, as you mentioned before, we had JC Horn go eight to the Panthers and then Sertan get picked ninth to the Broncos, leaving the Cowboys in a tough situation. Uh, let's start with this fact. I like the fact that the Cowboys traded and got a third round pick for going down two picks. Really good, really smart. I don't think you trade down too far because you probably lose trade value. You probably get flung into another like draft scenario or like another area of the draft in terms of talent. Uh, and overall you get good talent you get a good third round pick from the Eagles team and mostly get the player you want we from what we've been hearing the Cowboys got the player they would have taken at 10 at 12 but get an extra third round pick so you can agree with me on there the trade is good
1: oh absolutely i had i the moment that sir tan went at 9 i was spamming for a trade down there would not been a greater proponent for a trade down than me because i'm like yeah a good... You need to trade down at this position. You have absolutely nothing to gain. So then and, they trade spots.
0: And the other good thing is, it's the Cowboys screwing over the Giants. It's, <laughs> a, it, it's a divisional trade that screws over another divisional team. Another divisional opponent, exactly. Yes. And if there's a team I don't trust to... Like, I love Devontae Smith. Anyone who's listened to our podcast knows I love Devontae Smith. If there's a team I trust to mess up Devontae Smith, it's the Eagles. <laughs> so... If they're or, or more, of they'll not use him in a, the right way. I guess is my better point. Like we've seen this with like Nelson Aguilar and some of these guys.
1: I don't even know if I can necessarily say that because like Nelson Aguilar coming out was kind of a niche player. Smith is just so complete of a receiver that it would take a lot for him to go wrong. Like he would have to be like perpetually injured before so for something to go like completely wrong.
0: We'll see. We'll, the, the big question will be hurts. The, the big question will be hurts
1: right so they- i think also the greater question too is that smith is playing with no one rager did move it up last year fulgum was a good option but you don't know how the coaching staff feels about fulgum at least heading into this season because it is a new staff so as it stands right now Hurts is only going to smith and goddard or at least we can view smith and goddard as the primary target share
0: and it's not a bad option obviously uh, Hertz hurts has a lot of experience with smith uh we'll see if that actually helps uh an interesting theme in this draft guy college players being back with their quarterback uh but let's yeah. let's talk about micah parsons uh i'll let you start and then i'll go on to why i think the trade the draft is fine but i'll I'll go with you because i know you have a lot of thoughts
1: (laughs) okay so the drafting a linebacker didn't necessarily make sense for the cowboys because they invested in smith they had lve under contract and then they also signed Keanu Neal over the offseason to play as a sub package linebacker. And then they also had players like Francis Bernard and Justin March who were special teams guys. And uh, I think Luke Gifford, I think, was either on a practice squad. So he was also at least ready for a backup roster spot. What Parsons does is he doesn't actually fix any issues regarding the defense because Instinctually, he's not great. By far, the biggest claim to fame that Parsons has right now is his athletic ability. He doesn't, his run fit, run instincts aren't great. He doesn't understand how to cover. And he is like kind of an edge rusher, kind of not. He's a lot more comfortable rushing, but he because he didn't do it enough at Penn State, you don't really know how good it is. And we've already been through this thing with Jalen Smith saying, oh, Jalen Smith is a really good pass rushing Mike. What has Jalen Smith done in the last three years to warrant that? So I'm looking at Parsons right now. He is essentially a SAM or a designated pass rusher. How many times is a def, how many last year, actually this year alone proved defenses are playing in nickel more frequently than they're playing in base, but more importantly, playing in dime coverages more than they play in base. So what's the point of getting a Sam linebacker who rushes the passer but kind of not when you already have DeMarcus Lawrence, Randy Gregory, and Bradley and I on your team. Now I'm not gonna sit here and say Bradley and I prevent you from getting a pass rusher, but it's not like Bradley and I is a worse pass rusher than Micah Parsons. Bradley It's also
0: like Bradley and I is not or Micah Parsons isn't a pure pass rusher exactly he played
1: edge in high school but he's not a pure pass rusher they treated him like a line off-ball linebacker in penn state so i'm looking at it he doesn't provide he doesn't act like objectively fix any issues with the cowboys he plays in a position with the least value on the defense linebacker is basically the running back of um basically the running back of the defense, unless you have like an elite coverage ability, in which case he clearly doesn't have that. And then on top of that, he has off the field issues with, like, with, with his hazing incident. It's like, you literally could not have found a way to have ruined the good juju that you got from trading down two picks to get a third. And the thing was, if you wanted a linebacker because you weren't sure on the future of LVE or Jalen, you could have drafted three other guys, <laughs> Jeremiah Ozukoromoa, J- Jamin Davis, and Zaven Collins were all available at that spot. And Zaven Collins would have been exactly what they wanted. Zaven Collins is what, About 6-3-2, I think whenever he plays like 255. Dude's a very good coverage linebacker. That is what they need. There's no point in having Jalen Smith playing as your Mike and him not being able to understand how to cover a hook zone. Or, late, or at least late Van rush is solid in coverage. It doesn't help having LVE fumble the, uh, leveraging the D-gap or leveraging the alley because he gets confused on uh, what's his key. He's not objectively doing anything for you. All you get right now is an athlete who plays linebacker who can maybe pass rush.
0: Are you finished? Yeah. Okay, so here's what I'll say. And I'm not disagreeing with any of your points. Of the, the players left in the draft defensively, at that point, Micah Parsons is probably the most talented. The question marks were about his character concerns and about the fit. And I I, I agree with you, the fit is a problem, in, in, in inherently. But I think that he is... The Cowboys. First of all, I think the fact that he has shown repeatedly throughout the process that he is a Cowboys fan, or at least has a enthusiasm towards the Cowboys, that he showed on draft day, is a good sign. Because I think it, I think it shows that he does have the the drive to be good on this team. I think that if they're like the fact that the Cowboys were so high on him, I think tells the fact that he had a good like interview and a good tape, and that maybe. Dan Quinn sees something in him. He is Dan Quinn has been really good at linebackers over the last couple of years, and I think he could see something in Parsons in his athleticism. The other thing is, I think that his ability to play on all three downs, whether it's as a Mike, whether it's as an occasional edge rusher, whether it's as a situational Sam or Will, I think is a very good thing for him. Now, will he work? It's a question, but I think that I am not going to doubt what the Cowboys drafting yet. I I, I understand that some people, including you and including me originally, saw the, the pick and thought this was a really bad selection, especially with guys like Slater available. But this is a very deep tackle class. We've still got several good tackles left, and a, a couple of them could still be available at 44. Some really talented guys. The fact that Samuel Cosby hasn't been taken yet, and some other tackles have been taken ahead of him. We'll talk about that in a second. But I think gives the Cowboys a good selection that a guy like Parsons isn't available here. Again, I don't think it's a slam dunk pick. I'm not going to say it's an A pick, but I'll give it like a B, B minus and hope that it turns out well. Because I think this is the pick that we, you know, there's, this always happens where we overanalyze a pick and then it turns out to be either pretty good or at least good for what it was. And I think Micah Parsons could be that we'll see how it's going forward Uh, from looking on like Twitter and stuff like that. The reporters and stuff are really talking about how the enthused the Cowboys were, not that they would have taken Sertan or Horn above those guys, but with those guys off the board, I think Parsons is the best available. And I can see that. I can see that as obviously I'm disappointed that we didn't get a cornerback, but there's some good cornerbacks left on the board. Let's hope for a good day too. I'll leave it at that
1: my issue with at least the team in drafting defensive players. They have that front office does not know how to draft defensive players early. That draft front office talked Rod Marinelli into drafting Taco Charlton over TJ Watt that front office talked them drafting Ezekiel Elliott into Jalen Ramsey. And however you feel about Zeke or Jalen Ramsey is besides the point, Jalen Ramsey is going to have a bigger effect over the long-term because Byron Jones and Jalen Ramsey is a dominant quarterback duo. There's no discussion about that. So my issue is also Dan Quinn has never worked with a linebacker like Micah Parsons. Micah Parsons, of Chuck Cooperstein of ES, uh, for the Mavs today was celebrating the pick. And he was comparing him to Vic Beasley. And I was so confused because Vic Beasley and Michael Parsons are nowhere near the same. And his basic his basic summary was they can both rush the passer. They can both run. They can both fit the run. They can both cover. I don't see what the problem is. Vic Beasley had one good season and then wasn't a good pass rusher for most of his NFL career. I don't know how you're saying in any actual, like, I don't know how you can say Vic Beasley or Micah Parsons were good coverage linebackers. And
0: I also don't see just taking that off face value. I don't know how you could say they're similar because Vic Beasley, I believe, played at DN position at Clemson. Vic he Beasley, Beasley played as a four three
1: exactly. Vic Beasley played as a four jack in a four three under. Micah Parsons is going to be your Sam or designated pass rusher whenever you want to go five wide at the line. Exactly. So stylistically, there's a difference too. So even though he has worked with athletic players like Foye Luucon and Dion Jones and KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner, he hasn't worked with someone like Micah Parsons.
0: I guess I guess my point is I don't see it. And again, I'm not I'm not again I'm not like yay for the pick. I'm not like oh this is the best pick in the world. We got a steal. But I think in the scenario we were in, where the guys who we would have taken. We're both taken above us. And especially after trading down and getting a third-round pick, I am satisfied as a Cowboys fan and as a guy with taking the top athlete in the most, probably the best defensive player left on the board. I would love to I – th- I think the, the rest of the draft will determine whether this is a B or a B-minus, if they can get good – tackle or cornerback class later than maybe this pick is even higher but I think there is a there's a decent shot that Micah Parsons works and I'm not I guess my point is when I originally saw the pick I hated it I don't hate this pick
1: (coughs) yeah but the thing is I don't I can't come to the reason that he's the best defensive player on the board he wasn't even the best linebacker for me on the board at that point in the draft. It's like you're drafting someone who, for me, should have gone in the 20s. It's
0: it's it's tough because I think they're... I know they value speed, and I
1: the issue is that I know Stephen very openly said he liked Micah Parsons. And from what I hear, at least what happened in the war room, Stephen was a big proponent of going and drafting Micah. I think the problem is... You also have to understand, like, Stephen has to understand that his negligence, at least operating with not paying attention or not giving value to interior defensive linemen who can run fit, is preventing the L- linebackers they did drafted in the first and second round and even signed to a long-term extension from being at least solid enough players and run. We saw what happened in 2018 when that interior line was at least competent. That defense was a top 10 DVOA defense. He hasn't been willing to put the right type of assets in that spot. I don't think until this year, Brent Urban is a good run defender, but we won't know until later in August whenever, or wait, later in September whenever they start playing.
0: Okay. <clears throat> I also think it's important to note that, A, the good D-linemen are still – like the, the top two D-linemen, whether it's Barmore or – I keep the, the Washington. Ozerike, I yeah, Ozerike, I cannot pronounce his name. Just <coughs> They're still on the board. And again, I think that you got to take, I, I think po- the issue with Parsons is he's a very polarizing player Where some view him as a top 10 pick and some like you view him as a guy who's in the twenties. I understand why if you're the Cowboys and you view him as if you view him as that top 10 pick, then getting him, at this selection is a very solid move. We'll see what happens. I, again, I don't love the pick. I don't hate the pick.
1: I also think, oh, I guess really the final thing that I have to say on this is great. You draft a linebacker at 12, right? Now you, you uh, I I think even if you drafted Slater, you were likely going to go defensive with your second pick. But my my thing on Slater is a lot different than uh Parsons, I would have been incredibly happy if they had just drafted Slater at 12. You know you have to go and draft a good run stopper at some point in this draft. Do you do it now that you see that Barmore and Ouzurike are on the board at uh, 44? Not that Barmore was a good run stopper anyways, and is by far the better run stopper. Now you use a pick on Ouzurike, your third round pick or at least the next pick for you to pick a corner is in the third round. Are you sure you couldn't somehow trade your way back up into the first round
0: in order to get like Eric Stokes? Because I don't know if that's worth it though. And we'll get to that in a second, but yeah, I mean. Because you realize
1: that you want to at least get yourself good depth at defensive tackle, or at least specifically one technique, cornerback and safety. Because you've already covered linebacker, apparently. Even if you wanted to trade up for Trevon Merrick, who's very likely going in the first 10 picks on day two, even with that third pick, you still are like the quality of player that you get probably from a cornerback in the third round is not going to be what you get at the end of the first round. Like Greg Newsom went 26th overall. Greg Newsom is a really good cornerback. Eric Stokes is a really solid quarterback. Like, there's a lot of good quarterbacks on the board. Like Paulson Ademo is going to be available at some point in the second or third round. But I think there's enough of a drop off from Paul, at least Paulson Ademo's skill set to Stokes's that I would be concerned
0: enough. And let's leave it at there. We'll see how they do going forward. Yep. Um, let's go quickly with. Uh, Top three. Let's let's leave it off the picks we've talked so far. As to the quarterbacks, Parsons. Right. Top three best three picks, kind of the steals of the draft so far, and then the worst three picks value wise. Uh, I'll start with my one of my best three picks. Um, I've got to go with the guy <laughs> Slater uh, going to the Chargers. Uh, we talked a lot about Dariusaw going to them at that pick. Um, Slater is just a better version of Darisaw. <laughs> and I think for what the Chargers need on the offensive line. Uh, looking to protect Herbert, I think Slater will be a very good pick there. So getting him at 13, I think, is a really big steal.
1: Uh, I think uh, the guy that you also mentioned in that uh, conversation, Derrissa, Vikings traded back from 14 to 23, and they still got Derrissa. You probably could not find better value if you asked.
0: It's a very good selection. The guy for me
1: who is a top 15 caliber pick. You got him at 23. You, you're... You're tripping, <laughs> and,
0: and, a, and a guy who I was originally like, "Why are they trading back when Darius on the board?" Legitimately, um, go, going to uh, worst pick speaking at tackle. I gotta go, Alex Leatherwood, seventeenth, the Raiders. Like I know they needed a tackle, but I don't know if Leatherwood's even in my top like eight tackles, especially with guys like. Garaw Cosme Jenkins especially like I don't know how Leatherwood got that high yeah that's 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 gonna be number three worst. your thoughts
1: My thing with Leatherwood uh is the Raiders seem to have this thing where they just grab guys who, are, who have a lot of athletic potential and then Tom Gable goes to work on them and then all of a sudden they're like good players so like Colton Miller was the perfect example of that Leatherwood's athletic. Your biggest issue with Leatherwood is that he doesn't really know how to use his hands, but he has the familiarity of gap and zone running that uh, uh, he has the familiarity to do both. And because of Steve Sarkeesian's offense, they're going to do a lot of uh, zone running. He has the athleticism to move. I think the Raiders are always going to surprise you with their picks. I thought they would have surprised us with the quarterback pick. They didn't. Um, But. I guess I could, like, I don't hate that pick. I think the worst pick for me was...
0: Uh, well, that was my number three worst pick. I got three. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh,
1: okay. Hold up a second. Number three worst pick. Uh, give me Gregory Rousseau to the Bills. Um, okay. I didn't like Rousseau all that much, and I think a lot of other people did it. There was, the thing with Rousseau is, like, he had a year. He took off a year because he opted out. COVID, and then like he just like pooped the bed at his pro day. And you see a guy who ha- carries who for, can carry a lot of weight and is like really athletic, but like he doesn't understand how to use his body and when he's most productive, he's on the inside. So it has me thinking, at least with a recent, versi- I'm sure they probably saw, uh, Shaman Dermot probably saw the versatility that Rousseau could provide, and was thinking, okay, you know what? Rousseau could work. But then they have people like Epinesa and uh, uh Ed Oliver who kind of like don't really work in conventional 4-3 schemes. And so I'm not really sure Rousseau really fits that, because if they really see him as an edge, they're not gonna he's not gonna be very productive for them.
0: Maybe. I didn't hate that pick. especially, you know, I think he's a potential pick, and with that being the 30th. Click. And they did need, I think, some development on the offense, especially with the running backs already being taken. I didn't hate that pick at all. Um, I'll go my number two worst pick before going back to best picks. And it's got to be an edge rusher picked a few picks earlier. Uh, I got to go with uh, Peyton Turner out of Houston. Really? I did not like that pick at all, especially with, you know, you talk about Rousseau, Oa, and Tryon being at the end of that draft. Um especially with guys like Ojolari still on the board. I just didn't understand that pick at all. I thought they could have Okay, the thing
1: with Ojolari is there are definitely some medical concerns. Like, we understand Phillips has medical concerns, but there's some serious medical concerns as it relates to his knees.
0: With Ojolari? I didn't know that.
1: Yes, with Ojolari. So that was the case with him. I, like, I guess I'm just going to say conversely, the Peyton Turner pick I think I was, like, okay with because Peyton Turner was had to have been, like, my third or fourth best
0: edge. I also am not understanding with how the Saints are built why they're going that high with Edge Rusher. I so think especially when it's Hugh a real-
1: turner as like a strong side edge and they kind of view him in the same mold as Davenport like cuz I think athletically they are
0: pretty So are they saying Davenport's not going to be the long-term solution? They traded up to get him.
1: Yeah, but they no Davenport's been a solid player. Yeah, you can okay. last. Like, he definitely, I think, has overperformed the expectation that he had. So, like, my issue with New Orleans is, like, Turner, like, didn't really, like, you wouldn't expect it, but, like, it probably makes sense for the long-term, because New Orleans is really creative, or, like, really good at developing.
0: Maybe. Um, going to uh, my... No, go ahead. I guess I haven't
1: done my second worst. Uh, my second worst... Um... Uh, okay. Uh... I, I'll say, okay, it's second worst because of situation, Zayvon Collins to Arizona. Really? I don't necessarily, I definitely don't hate Zayvon Collins. You're not going to convince me to draft an off the ball linebacker in like the top 20 picks. But Collins is a good player for a big guy, provides a lot of coverage. He can kind of cover running backs, can cover tight ends. (laughs) that's all fine and dandy, but Vance Joseph doesn't understand how to use kind of like freaky athletes. Isaiah Simmons last year was just kind of playing. weak side linebacker and wasn't really affecting the game much. We understand Zayvon Collins is probably going to line as a Sam, but like, are we sure that he's really going to get the best out of either of those players? Like I would have thought at least the Cardinals would have looked at Caleb Farley because quarterback for them.
0: I don't I guess I'm in the same boat that you were with Peyton in that I agree with what you're saying, but I also don't hate the pick. I think it's the best defensive player available. And they need they they have a need at that kind of linebacker. So I'm not I can I'm not terrible against the pick. We'll see if it works. Uh, going to my second best pick. Uh this this wins my what I call my no-duh award, which is gonna be Rashad Bakeman to the Ravens at 27. Uh, yep, pretty good value, yep, and yep, with how they've yep. needed a wide receiver for a few years now, no duh, you get fake them. <laughs>
1: yep, yep, yep. Yeah, just yep. very solid pick. Okay, uh, there were a lot of good picks. I really – there are a few that – because when I said my third pick was Dearsaw, um, this is probably going to shock you, but give me 29. Uh, Eric Stokes to the Packers. I know people wanted the Packers to draft a wide receiver. But you're not going to convince me that Eric, they didn't need someone like Eric Stokes because they need someone opposite Jair Alexander to at least be somewhat consistent. Stokes is that guy, he has the athletic ability of Alexander. And he kind he played in Georgia, was a really consistent cover corner, uh, did a lot of man, was a lot more proficient in man. Um, G Green was going to run a lot more zone, but I think it should translate. Okay. Um, Definitely should translate better than whatever they had with Kevin King. Um, but I think Stokes is uh, basically – will form a good starting duo with Jair Alexander. That's not a pick I'm mad about like at all. I actually really like the pick.
0: I'm not mad about that pick. I, especially I don't mind the fact that they went cornerback. Personally, I think they could have gone with a couple of other cornerbacks I would have preferred. But, again, I think it's one of those picks where it's like if you prefer him over some of these other cornerbacks, go ahead. Um, uh, going to my worst pick, and he—it's so sad because he rips my school, or the the place where I lived for so many years. I got to go to uh, Davis. Kentucky. really? He—I did not understand that. First of all, I, I've never understood the Davis hype in the first round. I think he's a very athletic linebacker, but I think there are too many question marks for him to be a first-round talent. I had him as a high second, probably mid-second. And then for him to go specifically to Washington. When I think. Okay, but
1: think about the stuff that he did, right? Because the thing with Davis was that he was athletic, he understood how to cover, he could play main coverage. That was kind of what Washington needed.
0: But I think they had so many other needs on that team. And especially, you know, you look at some of the other (laughs) positions. I just think that Davis was a huge reach, probably just in terms of overall talent, my biggest reach in the draft. And yeah, I I, I got to give them a D grade on that pick. I think it's again, I think it's an overall solid draft, but I think the the Davis pick was a huge reach. So yeah, that's my worst pick. What's your worst? Pick?
1: Um, my worst pick. Oh, you already know what it is Michael Parsons to the Cowboys. Just your no, I without you him, you just can't with me. I, I I will not be talked at this moment. I will not be to- talked.
0: Okay, if you're going to do that, I'm going to give you another pick that I did not like, if you're if you're okay. going to be that, that sad.
1: Uh, Okay, fine. If you want a different player, uh, Najee Harris to the Steelers, like what are you doing? Your offensive line is not good. You go and draft a running back just because he can get yards after contact. Like what are you doing here?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think um, Mel Kuyper said it the best in that their issue with their running game wasn't their running back. So I think going after a running back without fixing their offensive line, especially with some – But good, both interior and tackle prospects remaining was a question mark. Um, The guy I was going to go with was Tony. Uh, I did not like the pick there. Now, granted, I don't think it was one of my worst picks, but I just think the Tony pick was something I – especially with guys like Bateman on the board, I thought it was a a reach. Um, Going with my best pick, I am going to go – I'm going to go one pick above your other pick and I'm going to go Greg Newsome.
1: Yeah. yeah. I think pick. for what, for for, pick. For what Cleveland is,
0: Cleveland still needs a good defensive back um, and hopefully Johnson can fill the safety void. Uh, so I think Newsome falling a, probably a little bit further than he would have normally. Uh, but yeah, I think that's a really solid pick for the Browns and good to have the hometown pick be a good pick because sometimes that doesn't happen. (laughs) Uh,
1: I guess I have the final pick, Uh, best pick, uh, Rashawn Slater, the Chargers. I did not think the Chargers were going to pick an offensive lineman, but to be fair, whenever neither of the two quarterbacks uh, weren't there, it felt like a no brainer and they took advantage of that. And I'm just happy that Justin Herbert now has a good left tackle.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I also want to give a shout out to uh, Jalen Phillips to Miami. Yes, um, good pick. I think that was a really solid pick and you know, I think they've they've needed a good complementary edge rusher for a couple of years now and I think they'll give him some time to do that. Uh, so looking at day 2, I would say more than more than a couple of years. We have some really strong talent available on day 2. Um yes. We've talked about Owosu Karamoa Is there a pick you think a team I'm, I'm Obviously, I'd probably project every team in the second round to probably want to go after him, but is there a team in the first <laughs> five picks who you think would probably covet him more than others?
1: Uh, I'd have to think about the teams, right? Uh,
0: so it's Jacksonville, New York, Atlanta, uh, Miami.
1: You know, Miami would be the type of team to go after I was a Cormo just that versatility to play between several positions. At least for him, it'd be like, an, like a robber safety versus uh, like a will.
0: Yeah, he... You would remind me of what they used – um uh, who's the, the now pa- the Patriots linebacker? Kyle Van Noy? Or- yeah, he kind of reminds Vannoy. me like he could be in that Kyle Van Noy role.
1: He'd probably be better because Van Noy was really a lot more of a linebacker than a safety. So True. That's a second, But, uh, yeah, uh, Patriots pick at 14. That'd probably be the next spot.
0: <laughs> but he will be gone way before then. <laughs> He yeah, should. I he would, should. I would imagine. Uh, again, I think he's probably a top 15 talent in this draft. I don't know why he's fallen all the way to the second round. Uh, another guy who's probably fallen way farther than most people thought he would is Tevin Jenkins. Uh, I think he's just the result of, I think that second tackle class has really fallen. Uh, whether you look at him, Eckenberg, uh, Redunds, uh obviously guys like Dickerson and, uh, why am I blanking on his name? Cosme, uh, there are some really good tackle prospects left. Jenkins probably the top. Um, he would be a guy I think Miami would definitely go with if he's available at their pick.
1: I would get the sense that Miami would draft him. Uh, I would.
0: Uh... Obviously, Phillips I think took president because of. Okay, New York
1: just got New York just got uh, AVT in the second or in the, with their second round pick. But I wonder if they go Tevin uh, with the second pick in the second round and then just play him at guard full-time and play Jenkins at right tackle no matter what uh, with George Fan's expiring contract.
0: It's not an awful decision. Um, uh, Probably. Denver's
1: also in play because of the Juwan James opt-out and stuff.
0: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think Denver's a little too far back. But uh, we'll see. I mean, I think if he goes to Cincinnati, I think Cincinnati would easily take him, or take some of these other really good players. Uh, two more guys I want to highlight. Uh, let's highlight some like pass rushing guys. We got Barmore, Ojulari. You mentioned at the injury, so we'll see. And then we have we have some really good edge rushers right now with Basham Jr. I think it being another guy a lot of teams will cover. It. Uh, I
1: okay. I think Basham can be a solid player. I don't think he's someone teams are coveting right now.
0: Really? Do you think he could fall? I mean, obviously, we care about the Just Cowboys. with
1: the amount of players there are, he's likely inevitably to fall because Ousurike, Jenkins, Barmore, owusu Dickerson, and Merrig, and Campbell, for that matter, all have to go before he does. It just feels that way.
0: True. Um And then, I guess let's leave off with our defensive backs. <laughs> We've got... Uh, safety, Merrig, uh, and uh-huh. then a quarterback we got Asante Samuel Jr., yep, yep. Tyson Campbell, Campbell uh, uh, Elijah, Elijah Molden, uh, uh, Calvin uh,
1: Joseph as well.
0: Yes. I would say Samuel Jr. is probably the first of those guys off the board.
1: Well, uh, uh, is Jacksonville mill a record Yeah, they are. Okay, I can see Asante, Asante going there.
0: I mean, Mer- Merrick, I think, is going to fall a little bit, but I could definitely see him being really good at the next level. I could see him t- get t- taken by Atlanta.
1: I think Paulson Debo ends up being a surprise day two pick just because of where he's drafted on day two. Like, I always thought that he would be a day two guy, but I think he's going to get... Um, uh, he'll probably go in, like, mid mid-second round.
0: Also, if you're Detroit, like, obviously... I think you had to take Sewell. But if yeah. you're talking about getting guys like Tutu Owelu, uh, Terrace Marshall Jr., uh, if you want to get Pat Fryermuth, if you want to get him, or if you want to get, like, Elijah Moore, you've got some really good wide receiver talent at the end <coughs> left. Yeah. Uh, so if you had to just guess right now who the Cowboys would get at 44.
1: Ooh, that's shaky. You know, I honestly think tomorrow they trade up and get Merrick. Merrick is right there. I know they love him. I know places value in having a good safety. There's not really a cornerback that I would place at least in terms of measurables and playstyle, except Campbell might be that guy. But that's like it.
0: I wouldn't mind that at all. I really wouldn't either.
1: I in my final mock, for, at least for the semi round mock for the Cowboys, I had them trading up. With the Eagles of all teams, to go and get uh, Merrick because he fell to thirty-seven.
0: I wouldn't also mind if maybe they wait in the second round and then trade up to get Richie Grant, though um, so he could possibly fall. I feel
1: like at this point, if you are within distance of Merrick, just go get him. He True, just,
0: but I, my problem is I feel like a team Grant like the it. I feel like a team like the Falcons could could covet him, or a team like uh, probably the yeah. a lot of teams could. Yeah, um I am going to go out of my limb I am going to say they get Onzerike I think I think because of, I think because of the cornerback class that we've had I think the defensive backs are going to go early and some of the wide receivers I think that Onzarique is going to be available there and I think like you said I think they're going to value that interior stoppage
1: See, my issue is that he's got, I get the sense that he's gonna go to a team that does a lot of two gapping. Like, uh, I think the Panthers would be a good example. Uh, the Broncos would be a good example. I don't know the Broncos necessarily being an interior defensive guy, but just guy, like even for example, cause Lord knows Dave Gettleman loves his interior defensive line, But like guys who are willing, who can, who have versatility of one gapping, two gapping. That's something that illusory did and was really good at. So for me, it's like, I look at him and I love to have him wearing the star. He would be effective and he would do something that the Cowboys really need. Yeah. But I think there are teams that are looking at him and being like, this is the spot yeah. to get
0: the, the good thing is just looking at the players available, there are a good amount of defensive players left. And whoever you get at 44 or in the I guess in the top of the first of the second round, you should at least find someone quality. You're not going to be like a couple of years ago where you settled for Connor Williams. So, yeah. we'll we'll see how that goes going forward. Uh, so this has been our first round recap of the 2021 NFL draft. We will be back in a few days to talk about the full draft. And I'm expecting another great adithia rant about some stupid pick the Cowboys made. Um, Look,
1: I'm really hoping it didn't have to come to this. They have four picks tomorrow. If they somehow manage to bowl like 20- – Okay, if yeah. they
0: get Ozarike tomorrow, will you be at least a little bit happier in the Parsons pick? Oh,
1: I'll absolutely be happy. But, like, I have to know who the corner that they're going to get is because – if, if they I get Ozarike
0: and they get, like uh, – I think Melifonu may fall, honestly. Okay, here's my
1: thing. I – personally love mella i know for a fact dan quinn is not gonna love mella okay so you just don't think that's a thing. As the size they the, the skill set does not match so okay yeah right. it's uh, i don't know they really love me out tonight
0: <laughs> we'll see what happens we'll see what happens uh after all guys this is the draft down 2021 podcast my name is jackson king
1: my name's Aditya Prabhakar,
0: And we will see you next week for the final episode. Thanks again.